Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with J.A. Alexander. J.A. is currently running a Kickstarter for his comic, Keepsakes. This is Matt and I'm joined by my co-host, Noah. Hey there. J.A., thanks so much uh, for joining us and uh, agreeing to be interviewed. Why don't you uh, start us off with a, uh, a brief, a brief uh, bio about yourself and a little bit about the comic. Uh, sure. I'm, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm 36 years old. I uh, moved to the U.S. when I was uh, uh, 13 uh, from England. Uh, England has its own uh, interesting comics culture, which you, they start you off with uh, things like the Beano and the Dandy, which are kind of done in one page comedy strips. And then, you know, slowly move you over to the 2080s and the heavy metals as your, uh, as your interests go. Uh, I move over to the U.S. and um, it was at a time when comics were still on newsstands, still at the grocery store, and kind of these very brightly colored, you know, hugely muscled uh, superheroes kind of grabbed my attention, and it kind of began this whole crazy uh, lifelong love of the medium. Uh, from there, I got into weirder comics, which then got me into weirder things, from like weird movies to weird music. I've spent Oh uh, God, about 20 years now in like uh, goth rock bands, uh, industrial, uh, making industrial music, making noise music. Uh, I had a very brief black metal period. And then uh, now uh, I'm kind of going back to the thing which I think kind of made me fall in love with kind of less, you know, less over the ground uh, popular culture uh, and that's comics. So you were uh, before you moved. You were you were reading um, you were reading comics, uh, you know, with a British tilt to it. And then you yeah. came to to America. And I'm I'm guessing this is sort of like uh, this is that '90s, uh, you know, boom. Uh, or, I'm sorry, you know, the the comic boom, the with the the Liefelds and the McFarlane books. So is that what you were seeing when you first came over? Yeah, it was sort of a tail end of that. It was right before the crash, but right when it was less, um, you, you, you had less of uh, the big creators for those, uh, for those titles working on them. So, uh, you know, you, you had still had your sort of like Wills Portacio uh, creators, but it, like Rob Liefeld was occasionally throwing in covers and things like that. Uh, my first, like my first comic I picked up on a newsstand was DC versus Marvel number three. I had no idea what was going on in any of it. Very confused that, you know, Spider-Man wasn't Peter Parker, but it was very, uh, uh, I just kind of, yeah, yeah, fell in love with it, uh, that sort of thing. And yeah, that art style, that kind of very hyperkinetic, uh, crazy, you know, quote unquote extreme art style. Yeah, it's 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 very cool for a thirteen year old thirteen uh, year old boy to to see. That is cool. And uh, so you have a music background as well, or are you like uh, so? Does that do you find that that intersects yeah. in your writing a lot? Your sort of musical background. Um, I've tried to make it intersect quite a bit. Uh, I found myself a lot. I mean, I, I'm a lot better at storytelling in a traditional manner. I'm terrible at storytelling through music. I've, really? I've always wanted to be, to do like the Nick Cave, like swaggery, <laughs> uh, you know, back of the bar kind of, you know, guy who does, you know, a guy who tells stories over a piano and no, that all of my lyrics are absolutely abstract and I can't, I can't put a story together in that fashion, but I found, you know, once I actually commit to, you know, 
putting a description on a page and putting dialogue in people's mouths that just that just works a lot better for me so uh, music's great I love it I love kind of I love the constructing constructing sounds uh, working with scales and chords a lot more than the uh, a lot more than writing lyrics so that's interesting. And do you find it's like, cause we've had a couple of people recently on the podcast, writers, mostly. And as a matter of fact, our last guest had a, had a music background as well in writing and composing and things like that. And does that inform your like pacing in your comics? Like, are you thinking about rhythm and beats and things like that in, in the story, like almost like composition? Or is it more, is it come more naturally for you in those kind of stuff? It's actually interesting that you say that. So it's never been a thing I thought about, but the fact that you've mentioned, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Because yeah, I'm thinking of things in, uh, you know, I'll plan out how many pages I have. I'll plan like, okay, a thing has to happen at every page. And yeah, that makes sense. I'm, you know, this is, you know, these two pages are my verse and this double page spread is my big chorus where things happen. Yeah, that makes the pacing of that and, uh, you know, working in the constraints of a three and a half minute time frame or a 20 minute or a 20 page comic. Yeah. Uh, I think that maybe subconsciously I had sort of a, a an easier time adjusting. And uh, one of the other questions we had for the, the guest with a, uh, with a musical background is uh, the creative process when you're writing. Um, is there, is there something that you like to listen to, um, uh, to sort of get your, get you sort of in that creative mindset? Um, depends on what I'm listening to. Sorry, what I'm writing. Like when I was writing Keepsakes, I was uh, doing a lot of uh, listening to a lot of dark ambient music. Lust Mord is um, very, very uh, is is that kind of thing because it's not quite soundtracky, and that it doesn't it doesn't you know it isn't conveying moods, uh, but it is uh, it's building an atmosphere, which is I think what I kind of need when I'm, you know, what I'm writing. That's cool. Yeah. I like, um, in college, I used to listen to a lot of that stuff just because of people exposing me to like David Lynch has like great music pieces like yeah. that. If you ever like listen to those, like he's got such good, good yeah. stuff there. Oh, and, uh, um, did you, did you yeah. see the, uh, the recent Twin Peaks, uh, uh, revival? I haven't yet. No, no, no. So no I, I, won't, I won't spoil it for you, but there's one really interesting thing that happens. So uh, my uh, my partner is hard of, uh, a little bit hard of hearing, so we have to watch television with captions on. And just through the entire show, anytime there's like a tense scene or something with a lot of like ambient sound, there is just like in parentheses ominous whooshing sounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. No, I've been uh, trying to. I've been trying to bring Noah around to to the Twin Peaks. I'm sure he'll get there. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah, yeah. When um, so what 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 instruments are? Do you have a background in? Are you like more of a piano player, or do you have like a, are you are you a guitar player as well? I'm a guitar guy. I sort of uh, learned on guitar. Um, working in bands, bass ended up being the first thing that I played with any kind of regularity, like playing out with bands and recording. Uh, moved back to guitar, and then I picked up keyboards, kind of as uh, uh, somebody has to do this song, and these people aren't showing up to practice, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, all right, what's that note on my guitar? Okay, I'll find that note here. So um, I, I have a question because I've, 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 I've checked out the Kickstarter, uh, but I haven't checked out the the, the video, and I know, uh, do do you have a video for for the Kickstarter? Yep. Yeah. And did you, with your musical background, did you do, did you do the music yourself for that? Uh, 
I did. Yeah. I, uh, there's, there's a piece that I had written a long time ago, well, not, well, about a year ago, uh, which was sort of based, uh, very inspired by a guy named Akira Yamayoka, who does uh, all the music for the, si uh, he did all the music for the Silent Hill series up until the most recent one. And uh, so I did, uh, I, I had a piece just sitting on, kind of sitting around, it had been online for a little while. And so I was like, well, I mean, nothing's really happening with this. So I'll use this piece for uh, the main part of the trailer. And then I uh, composed uh, another piece for, um, uh, because there's the part of the trailer that tells you the story, then the part of the trailer that's kind of more of the, uh, the action montage to try to get you into, uh, into the, you know, get, get you excited about the events of the, the comic rather than just the plot. Uh, yeah, I watched the video. I really loved it. Um, it had a great narration. Great. Yeah, like, I, I love the music. Yeah, but I can definitely hear. I've not played the Silent Hill games, but I am familiar with the music. And it was, it definitely, it had that vibe, but not like, you know, not in a ripoff way or anything like that. Like, you really captured it well. Thank you. And so did you find, like, so when did you decide to move into comics, like writing comics? Was there sort of a line in the sand or has it always been something that's been in the back of your mind about storytelling, like you eventually trying, wanted to write? I've been trying to do it since the early 2000s. Uh, I have, I've had, you know, uh, hard drives after hard drives of sort of either completed or abandoned scripts. I've just, I'm just like now in my life in a place where I could sort of afford to hire artists to do it so it seems like it, it seemed it seemed like it was uh it was the right time to do it because i, I you know i kind of growing up and, uh, and being in my early 20s uh, you know especially kind of uh, the generation that i am uh all of us are broke so <laughs> uh you know once you get sort of uh, some some uh substantial you know you get once you get a, a sort of slightly more stable job behind you you're able to save up money i'm now married so i'm, uh, I'm able to do you know I, I, i'm sort of you know it's two people handling the bills rather than one it's it just kind of makes the whole situation a little easier to you know spend discretionary income on your you know creative pursuits rather than um you know rather than being in the music scene where i've tried to learn how to do everything myself learn how to right. uh Apologies uh, if you hear anything in the background there. There's my cat is trying to get into the room, and if I let her in, you're going to be interviewing her more than me. Oh, uh, I'm surprised my cat's not been doing the same thing. <laughs> she interrupts the podcast a lot. So, okay. oh yeah, uh, no, they'll yeah, feel no, no worries. We've we've had we've had cats uh, try to get on before. So, oh yeah, first time. <laughs> all, the, all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Let's transition to talking about uh, keepsake um, keepsakes. Um, so. Why, uh, why, why a horror book? Uh, so, um, I kind of felt, you know, I've been wanting to write and I've been wanting to write comics for a very long time. Uh, I thought for a long time, my thing would be, um, superheroes because I kind of felt, uh, you know, when I, when I started writing, it was kind of right as the, uh, Warren Ellis, Brian Michael Bendis kind of, um, military fiction slash conspiracy thriller take on superheroes was getting very popular. And I was like entranced by that and kind mm -hmm. of obsessed with that sort of take on, take on the genre. And so everything that I was writing back then was sort of that it was kind of a, um, you know, superhero team, but there's a, you know, they're, they're employed by the, the army or something like that. And when I got back into writing, because I took a long time off to really sort of focus on music, 
when I got back into writing, it ended up being um, that stuff, A, isn't popular anymore, and B, kind of, I won't say everything with it's been said, because you never know when somebody's going to come out with an interesting new take on it, but it seemed like a very well-mined kind of uh, kind of thing. It's like, and then I kind of felt like, well, what, what else do I love? And I've loved horror movies since I was a kid. I, you know, uh, there used to be, uh, there was a period of my life where I could tell you the, uh, the main uh, name off the main cast and directors of every Halloween movie. Um, (laughs) and just, uh, getting interested in some of the newer, um, trends in horror. Like there's a thing right now or not right now. There's a thing that happened a while ago that we're now seeing kind of echoing everywhere called mumble gore, which is very like indie cinema's take on horror, both like slasher and uh, more abstract stuff. And there's been a bunch of very cool anthologies that have popped up. Southbound was one. Uh, The VHS series was another uh, pretty famous one, which take all of these very short stories uh, different directors, different casts, and then they'll have like a framing story around uh, around them. And the framing stories I never really liked so much because they never really had much to do with uh, with the movie, uh, the films themselves. It was always, um, you know, guy finds a bunch of videotapes. Here's what's on the videotapes, which I I like as a concept. But if the the if, if the movies themselves don't really lend themselves to being you know, found footage horror because a lot of those weren't. Uh, I don't th- didn't think it really worked out. So I kind of had this idea, like I'm going to write an eight page horror story. And then I was like, okay, uh, well, I need somebody to, to draw this. So I put out a call on DeviantArt. From uh, putting the call out on DeviantArt, I got bombarded by uh, all these different artists. And, uh, you know, and, it being DeviantArt, some of them were fantastic, some of them were not so fantastic, and then some of them were fantastic but completely wrong for the story. And so I kind of had this idea like, well, this person is great, I don't want them on this story, but could I write something for what it looks like they do? So I kind of had this idea, I'm gonna do this eight-pager, and then I'm gonna do this five-pager, and then I had another idea for a four-pager, and then I came back to the framing story idea. And the framing story, it needed to make all these sort of different concepts work together. So, you know, I came up with the idea of two adults who uh, just, you know, attended their late father's funeral. They're now kind of in charge of digging through his basement, going through all of his old stuff that he had down there. And that's sort of a relatable thing for anybody who's lost a parents or lost a close family member is some, you know, you're dealing with grief and you're also having to sift through the life of who, you know, the, the entire life, both, you know, outward and their inner life of the person you're saying goodbye to. And now suddenly, you know, throw into all that grief, the idea of, was this guy involved in something he shouldn't have been? Was this guy involved in, you know, what was this guy involved in? And it kind of uh, really pulled everything together. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I can see that a lot from the 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 uh, the analogy you gave us of the 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 VHS series, where it's uh, either the framing sequence with all of these um, related uh, s- stories within, and uh, you did a really great job with with uh, with this here. Thank you. Yeah, and do um. So, how many artists are you working with on this project? 
Uh, let me see. There were, um, there were five, I believe, including wow. uh, the main cover artists. Uh, it was actually the only guy, first of all, uh, the cover artist, uh, the main cover with the fireman. Yeah. Uh, is a guy named Vincent Van Hoof, who is the only American who ended up working on it. And also, oh, wow. he apparently lives 20 minutes away from me. Oh. <laughs> and there was this kind of this random, like, you know, that was just a random DeviantArt uh, email. Uh, like, he seems like he, he's a he's a content artist for video games. And he seemed like uh, somebody I really wanted to work with. But, you know, him working on video games, it kind of prices him out of my market a little bit. But I figured, like, he has a great style. Maybe I could get him for a cover. And he was very, you know, very, uh, very, he did a very, very good job of the main cover. So he was um, the cover artist. Uh, we had Emilio Otrera, who did the, um, who did the uh, framing story, uh, the dad's basement story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did a, uh, a, an additional, uh, he also did an additional cover, which we have uh, completely exclusive to the Kickstarter. We're never going to uh, print up any other versions of that. Uh, we have uh, a fellow from um, from I believe uh, Taiwan uh, named uh, Daddy uh, Konaiwan. I apologize if he's listening, and I've completely butchered his name. I apologize, Daddy. Uh, he did one of the stories, which has more of a, uh, a manga and more of a um, uh, more of a sort of uh, I guess um, I guess manga is the best way to put it. He has a very uh, stylized manga horse style. Uh, it's very, very, you know, it's a very, very different uh, pace from some of the other stories, which are very, like, dark, shadowy, uh, almost Mike Mignola-level uh, contrast between light and shadow. His is a lot more cartoony, but he was able to capture some of the, the more horrific elements that I was looking for in a way I didn't even imagine. Uh, he did a fantastic job with that. Uh, there was Branko Jovanovic, who did uh, does uh, the Fireman, uh, the Burning story. His uh, style is a lot more um, photorealistic. Uh, and uh, we had uh, Samir Samal, and he uh, does the uh, pilot episode story about uh, a bunch of kids breaking into a warehouse and what they find in there uh, for their YouTube channel. And uh, he has probably the most cartoony of the uh, of the art styles, but he was still very. Um, he actually, I think, would be uh, very at home in sort of a mid '90s image style book because he has almost like a Greg Capullo or um, J. Scott Campbell way of drawing faces and drawing action. Uh, but yeah, all those all those folks were fantastic. Uh, we had uh, you know, they had very very good uh, conversations back and forth as to what we're looking for. They're very accommodating with changes, um, and yeah, it was a, a really good experience working with working with all of them. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I can't imagine working with you know all those artists on one project. And not, you know, it's not one, you know, it, it's, it's separate stories within a bigger story, of course, but having to coordinate all those artists and things like that. Um, I, do you like, I wonder if like, you know, did that, was that a, was that a challenging experience for you or was it like a good challenging where like you felt sort of invigorated to try to like communicate your ideas to all these different artists? Yeah, I actually, I, it was, there's certain times where I felt like, 
uh, a, sort of a little guilty that I wasn't giving the entire, like, you know, when I would bring a new artist on board, uh, I wasn't giving them like everything that other artists were doing. Uh, the only time that I ended up doing that was with, um, with uh, the main story, uh, when uh, Emilio Otrera was uh, drawing uh, the firefighter costume, uh, he wanted to know what, he, what I wanted it to look like. And thankfully, uh, Bronco had already delivered the pages for the, uh, for the burning, the, uh, oh, great. The, the story in which that uniform actually appears. So I was able to send him uh, the page from that. It's like, make it, make it look like that. Um, so that was good. It was, uh, it, that's sort of the only thing, like I felt a little bit guilty about not, um, you know, bringing everybody together. But I mean, these are sort of, these are working artists and I think they don't really need to be pulled into, you know, a, a long Facebook chat with a bunch of people that, that maybe they, you know, they're, uh, would be, uh, taking up time from them actually, you know, working on things and making money for themselves. So that felt a little bit guilty, but I felt uh, probably under the circumstances, it would be ideal not to try to get people too much together. That's a real feat of coordination though, to do five artists in one story. But like, yeah, that, that's really impressive that you were able to do that. Um, and was like was with each artist did you sort of have a similar working experience as far as the script went like are your scripts kind of loose and sort of open to interpretation or are they very descriptive or did you change the scripts for different artists i fact okay so i a couple of a couple of the scripts ended up changing in between um in between drafts i initially had a, another artist working on the uh, pilot episode story Okay. And uh, that artist, unfortunately, we ended up uh, not working out together uh, because um, I guess one of those things you sort of like, hey, I'm excited to work with you on this. I'm excited to work with you too. Six months later, no communication. Oh, yeah. Um, so after that artist, when I was taking it to Samir, I decided to do sort of a rewrite because I, I was looking at Samir's different uh, art styles and I figured... Uh, this could do, this could use a different, you know, some character descriptions could be different to work with like things that he's, you know, clearly, you know, clearly strong at depicting. And then just kind of, um, you know, if, if somebody, you know, some artists, like for example, some of them uh, were not, didn't feel quite uh, comfortable with um, working with a completely English language script. So a couple of them did ask for storyboards. I mm. draw a little bit. I'm not great, and I'm not certainly not like ready for prime time as far as putting out my own comic, uh, at least at this level. But I was pretty happy with uh, storyboarding out what I was looking for for uh, for the artists. And then they were, um, yeah, I did that for a couple of the artists, and they were welcome to use or not use my suggestions if they needed. But they also asked me if I had like character design ideas, and I, you know, I shot those over too. Um, yeah, aside from that, I mean, the working with, working with the different artists ended up being pretty great. They all had, um, you know, they all had, uh, cool ideas that they wanted to throw in. Uh, Samir came up with the idea of having the, uh, the time and the record, uh, symbols on the screen when, uh, when it was, uh, making it, uh, or at least to make it obvious that, uh, a camera was on. Uh, because it's kind of hard to depict found footage in a comic. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, and just different artists had different ideas uh, as far as, you know, depiction of scary things, monsters. Yeah, um, just kind of working with that. If I felt really strongly about keeping something that I had, they uh, were happy to accommodate that. But otherwise, I just gave them, uh, I gave them a full script. I gave them pretty detailed descriptions, but I was pretty open about letting them go crazy and then, you know, just adjusting the dialogue later on to uh, make that work. That's really cool. And you uh, you lettered this book as well, and um, you did a you did a really great job. You know, it's one of those Thanks. things where they always say that uh, you only notice the lettering when it's when it's done poorly, and and, and that doesn't happen here. Um, did did you take the chance, or did you take the opportunity as the the letterer to like uh, you know do any edits to the to the dialogue and and those you know, those last couple of uh, edits or, you know, when you're lettering, are you, are you changing everything or do you find that you pretty much got everything that you wanted to in, in, in the, in the script? Yeah. So I, uh, completely reformed uh, it was a sort of a, a situation of going through and working with what each artists had drawn, uh, you know, changing dialogue, changing. Uh, I got very wordy on a couple of stories and I kind of realized with the, the, the acting of the characters in the panel that each of the artists did, like, I actually don't need to over explain these 15 things. Mm -hmm. So it became more of uh, trimming out dialogue that was unnecessary. There was a little bit of trying to, um, uh, I guess uh, trying to remove some of my bad habits as a writer when I saw it, you know, up on the screen and saw it actually depicted, uh, depicted, uh, my, uh, my, my partner is also a writer, uh, and is, uh, a much more accomplished one than I am. Uh, if anybody's interested in checking out their work, uh, their name is Sonia Batomsky. They're a poet and journalist. They've done a lot of, uh, they've done a lot of work around, um, the funeral industry and the death positive movement along with, uh, and stuff like that, but uh, Sonia was very, uh, is pretty uh, forthcoming with, uh, you really like commas, you need to take out <laughs> the 18 commas in the sentence. Um, and it's very helpful with hel helping me edit and tr helping me understand what I'm doing wrong. Uh, they're pretty adamant that you don't even understand how an M dash works, things like that. <laughs> So yeah, there was a lot of editing that went on in the lettering stage. This was actually my first time lettering anything. Uh, so it was kind of a going, kind of a, uh, a crash course, but I'm glad it, I'm glad it looks, I'm glad it looks good. I'm glad it looks like a comic and not, uh, not a mess. I'm sure it helps to have some kind of drawing background when you're doing lettering as well, because it's an art form, you know, understanding how and appreciating how art is laid out, you know, that comes yeah. from having an appreciation of not only comics, but also of art and composition and things like that. So that probably helped a lot for you to, you know, just to have that background in there. I think so. more so than having that background, it was always very, uh, just having seen comics in a couple of different countries formats, I mm. think really helps for, uh, with that because, and uh, you know, go, uh, kind of living through comics in different eras. We now like, we don't use thought balloons so much anymore, although I use right. one in this. <laughs> and uh, kind of understanding why we don't use things like that. And then balloon placement became such a huge uh, part of it. And that's one of the reasons why I had to reformat a lot of the dialogue, cut out a lot of it, because 
you would just end up with this character's face and you cover up all these beautiful backgrounds that yeah. these artists have slaved in front of a hot tablet trying to provide you. And uh, yeah, you just have to, you, you're going to have to cut out some of your uh, kind of pointless dialogue in order to let people actually see what the, the, the beautiful work these artists have done. Do you have one piece of advice for anyone lettering out there? Like, is there one philosophy that you have, you know, when you're lettering things that you like to stick to? Um, being so new to it, I really don't. I just, you know, what I did, and this will be the piece of advice that I have, is go to Blambot's website, read every tutorial on there. You will, you will learn more through every tutorial on there than you can, you will understand how things that you have been seeing for years actually work. You'll understand why, you know, why choices like that are made. Um, so yeah, I, I don't listen to my advice. Listen to blind bots advice. <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, this Kickstarter has uh, roughly about two weeks left to go. Do you have uh, any, any plans for returning to this world or uh, plans to, to do something different after this? So a couple of people actually have messaged me, um, sort of, there's one of my friends who I let read an early version of this, and then one of the people uh, who had contributed to the Kickstarter both asked if I was planning on doing, a, you know, a kick, uh, sorry, a keepsakes too. And uh, I guess that's a sort of a maybe. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I have mostly worked in uh, horror short stories, like the majority of stuff that I've put out have been, you know, in the non-comic world has been short story horror stuff, kind of leaning somewhere in the middle of um, splatterpunk, like 90s stuff and like weird literature. Okay. And uh, I have a lot of stories like that and it's a lot easier for me to work through those. But I don't know if I would work, maybe I would do another keepsakes, but it would, it would need a different type of framing story because I feel like that dad's basement had somewhat it was an ambiguous but a fairly definitive end so if i was to continue doing doing um things in this world i think i'd need to figure out a different framing story and i'd need to figure out a different spin on it than uh just um just like souvenirs in a basement um so possibly i think i have more ideas for longer form work that i'd definitely like to start working on after this though and we've heard that a lot from from people that we've had on. It's you know that that whole sort of start small mod, uh, you know start small model and then and then build to to longer form uh, yeah. bigger projects. So it seems like that's what you're doing here. Yeah, I have an idea uh, that's been swimming around. I've actually pitched it to a couple of publishers, but I, I'm you know I have no actual published work uh, yet mm-hmm. until this comes out. So. Um, you know, I'm not exactly a very bankable, uh, bankable name, but, uh, yeah, I have a uh, sort of more cyberpunk sci-fi horror idea that I want to work on. It could be, and, uh, I've got a sort of a world, uh, built in a notebook for it. And, uh, most of what could either be issue one or a one shot, uh, scripted out. So I think after this, I'm going to try to figure out if I can um, either pitch that to some publishers or maybe start a second Kickstarter to get that out into the world. And that would be 
a full 20 page story unto itself with the possibility of more things going on in that world. Very and cool. I, it, it's probably pretty early on um, to, to think about this, but uh, would you, uh, do you, do you anticipate maybe working with one of the same artists or, or doing a, another search or do you, do you feel like one of the, the artists that was on keepsakes would, would fit with this new project? Yeah. So I think probably, probably yes. And there's a, there's a couple of them I think would be really, really good. Uh, I'm act, I'm open to working with other artists. I'm trying to find that perfect mixture between, um, so I, I still love like 90s extreme art and I still love stuff like that very much. But I'm also um, I'm also into a lot of other stuff. So um, I'm trying to find like the, the artist who would be the perfect mix between like Mark Silvestri and Junji Ito, the guy who did <laughs> Uzumaki and Tomie. Like I'm, I want to find somebody who can do sort of like hyperkinetic action, but also nightmarish monsters. Nice. And uh that that would be like my perfect sort of like sweet spot in between uh you know two two things i love with all my heart that's pretty nice. legit that's a good description of an artist right there and that sounds like a book i'd, I'd pick up if the art was like that yeah that's if, awesome. if, if anybody's out there and is interested in uh cooperating with me on either pitches or um or a uh a kickstarter to do a uh you know a, a cyberpunk horror uh, horror story, uh, at least one issue of it, please, please hit me up. I'm very, very uh, interested in talking to you. You would describe your art as that. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a very fine description. Um, I'm hoping that someone out there is listening so this can get made. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, a, so like, that sounds more like, is it more, would that would be more like action horror story? Or would uh, it be so, like more? That? No, I think probably my, uh, there would be a couple of action scenes in it, probably more chase sequences. Okay. Uh, I had a, I had a, a sequence like that in um, in Keepsakes, but I think it would be something that would be um, just because I want a very stylized, realized world, mm. and I want the ability to dip into more um, faster-paced work. But I also, you know, I, I also want somebody who can do the, you know, the big horrifying page reveal, like you turn the page and just the, you know, the desiccated face of the monster is staring out at you. Um, so it would be, it would have action parts to it, but it wouldn't be, it definitely wouldn't be pure action. That's really cool. Do you, um, do you have a resource for people who are trying to write horror comics? Like, you know, like you've talked about watching movies, listen to music. Um, are there other comics or there movies or anything like that that you're like, yeah, this was like a huge inspiration to go uh, to and stuff like that? So I've been doing um, occasional YouTube videos through the through this. Oh, cool! Um, through this Kickstarter thing, and uh, one of the things I've been trying to do is show off things that influenced me. So uh, one of the things I pulled out uh, the first uh, the first of those I did was was Uzumaki, uh, the Junji Ito book, which if if people haven't uh, if people have never read Junji Ito's work and are interested in horror and comics in any way, shape, or form, uh, go for that. I mean, go go get... Junji Ito is manga's Bernie Wrightson, just with the line control, the ability to contrast uh, shadow and light, and uh, just uh, he's a, like a master's master of the craft. And he does everything himself, except I think he has like 
family members, uh, family members like helping him with layouts or something like that. But he's, wow. he's sort of a one man show. Um, I did that. Uh, I did a little bit of Eric Powell's The Goon, which I feel is still sort of the high mark for mixing horror with comedy uh, in that it's, uh, it takes itself very seriously. And I really appreciate that about it. It's not <laughs> winking at the camera as much as it's uh, taking, it's taking the airplane approach of everybody in this story is well aware that they are in the most serious story that ever happened. It just happens that, you know, the zombie just fell on its own face. And um, uh, so I, I did that. I did um, Scott Snyder, um, Scott Snyder's first Batman work, which was uh, The Black Mirror, which yeah. I will hold up as being as much a horror comic as it was a, uh, as it was a superhero comic. Oh, yeah, and, huge um, fans of that, yeah. Yeah, I think Scott Snyder's, um, he, he gets a little bit of a bad rap nowadays because he does have like plot elements he likes and will sort of like keep using. But for me, they, they work. And I think yeah. coming from like a horror background like that, that, that sort of storytelling really, uh, really appeals to me. And we've um, talked about witches a lot on this podcast. Like, that's really good. Such a good book series. Yeah, that's, that's my wife's favorite graphic novel of all time. Is that, that, and in the second book, she loves that too. And well, we love it. It's, it's a great series. Yeah. Yeah. Probably uh, also another modern one, uh, Lock and Key uh, by oh, yeah. uh, uh, Jill Hill is fantastic. Uh, it's more of fantasy horror. Uh, I think I was actually, when I first started reading it, I was very disappointed because it was sold to me as the scariest book you're ever going to read. <laughs> and between sort of like, the art, which has a little bit of a cartoony touch to it, and the story, which was a lot more like going on a quest. I, it took me ha until I was about halfway through the uh, halfway through the first trade, really like, it really like grip for it to really like get a hold of me. And then I got every trade. <laughs> like it's so good. That's awesome. Um, those anything that Bernie Wrightson did, any of the old EC comics, especially if his name is on them. Um, just people like, uh, just, yeah, look, looking back at old EC comics, I think, you know, t uh, any of the, like the Vault of Horror, Tales from the Crypt stuff, uh, you absolutely need, uh, if you're interested in horror, um, you absolutely need to read those, not just because that's sort of like where this genre came from, but they're also exercises in, uh, in just being as you know short and to the point as possible occasionally yeah. they you know they had to tell an entire story in two pages sometimes mm -hmm. yeah yeah what about uh like prose work is there anything like uh like your stephen king's or your, your clive barker's uh anything that you draw influence from there clive barker is a huge influence on me uh especially especially the early stuff um he is now known mostly for um fantasy and horror-tinged fantasy. He's been doing um, Aberat, uh, which has been his like, young adult novel um, series for quite a while now. Uh, but occasionally he dips back into horror and you can always tell when he's doing it, uh, when he does it, it's kind of like putting on the old pair of sneakers for him. It's like, <laughs> ah, yes, disembowelment. <laughs> um, he was such a huge influence on me. Um, Another huge influence when I was a teenager is um, uh, was uh, a person who wrote under the name uh, Poppy Z. Bright at the time, now writes under the name Billy Martin. Um, 
and uh, they, uh, his uh, his work is absolutely fantastic. He did a lot of very um, extreme takes on uh, on kind of classic ideas like the haunted house or vampires. Lost Souls was uh, huge for me, being uh, I don't know, being uh, being a kid who was kind of growing up and was like a little uh, a little too much of uh, a creepy goth metalhead for uh, for uh, the like gay and queer kids who I was, uh, you know, kind of in the same, you know, same uh, spectrum as and a little too, uh, a little too queer for some of the metalheads. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Lost Souls was great because it's like, ah, yes, it's everything I like. Murders, decapitation, and uh, gay people. <laughs> um, that... Uh, Thomas Ligotti is great. I've, I've heard people refer to him as the modern day H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Mm. Um, he has that sort of that sort of story. So that weird horror, lurking secrets behind everything. Except he is sort of the um, instead of it being you know having this tinge of uh, New England gentility, he is sort of the uh, I don't know, the sort of the, the Lovecraft of uh, the dark, dirty Midwest. Huh. Um, he'll have like scary stories about, um, you know, the small town uh, with a mysterious mayor who suddenly decides uh, you're going to tear up all the roads now. And, <laughs> wow. um, and uh, he just has, um, all of his stuff is very, it's ur usually urban or, um, uh, you know, hidden, you know, hidden towns on the highways kind of work, but he is very, very, very good. He has a, a very dark take on society. He's actually written a bunch of, uh, uh, he's written a couple of philosophy books, which uh, are to a certain extent, I feel like actually scarier than his, uh, than his prose work, because you kind of get the imprint, like you kind of realize like, oh, this like this guy is not joking. He's just adding monsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Nicole Cushing is also another uh, fantastic writer. She has written, uh, she wrote a wonderful book called um, The Sinner's Bible. Uh, she wrote another one called Mr. Suicide. And I'm halfway through her current, uh, her most recent release called um, A Sick Gray Laugh. Uh, she's sort of a modern modern splatterpunk writer except has a very unique take on um dark on dark literature that i just really really resonates with me uh her current work is very uh it's written almost like a like a history book of the town she lives in in the midwest um and talks a lot about uh things that actually did happen in uh, during uh, sort of the expansion into America by various groups where there were a lot of very strange cults that popped up and they would only pop up for like four or five years, but there would be, you know, there, there would be uh, a strange cult that always covered their face that, uh, that decided to found their own town in the Midwest. You know, they fell apart three or four years later, but this town's still there for some reason. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. You've given me a lot of a lot of things to to check yeah, out, and no it's, uh, it's uh, pretty interesting to hear you talk about these things uh, and see that how you probably incorporated a lot of these ideas that you've taken little bits and pieces of and put them into into your comic. 
Yeah, I think every writer is kind of a sum of their influences. It's just trying to find a spin on those influences that isn't just ripping off the people you like. Yeah, it's the uh, steal like an artist sort of saying that's been yeah. going around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So Noah, do you have any uh, final questions here as we as we finish up? Oh, uh, yeah. Where can, where can, I guess, just the next thing, where can people find, like, you know, updates on your work, um, you know, when, uh, when, when this book will, you know, updates on the Kickstarter and stuff like that? Um, yeah, so um, I, I have all of the, uh, I, I do all the, uh, the social media things. I have a Tumblr that I've never, uh, that I, I really need to update. I haven't updated in a, a few months, which is uh, tumblr.com slash ritual83. Um, I'm on Twitter, unfortunately, because of uh, how these things get uh, populated by people. You always have to end up like, did I put a period there or an underscore? So on Twitter, uh -huh. I'm ritual underscore 83. Uh, you can uh, keep an eye on uh, the Kickstarter. If you uh, follow, uh, you know, if you follow me on, ki on Kickstarter, uh, just search keepsakes in there right now and uh, the, the campaign will come right up. Um, so you can keep, uh, keep a look on that. I believe I'm, uh, ritual 83 with no underscore on Instagram and, uh, I'll be getting, uh, my own website, which will be ritual 83.rip, uh, up, uh, later this month. Very um, cool. So and we'll make sure that we, uh, we put links to all of that and, and definitely a link to, to the Kickstarter, um, in, in the show notes here. Um, I want to thank you for being on. I, I really enjoyed uh, the, the preview copy that you got, and I'm looking forward to uh, when my, my physical copy uh, shows up in my, in my mailbox. So uh, I want to thank you once again, um, and I'd like to thank everybody for uh, joining us. Um, if anybody wants to give us a follow, we're on Twitter. Uh, we are at Construct Compod. We're on Instagram. Constructing Comics Pod, and we are on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Constructing Comics. We have a YouTube channel under the same name of Constructing Comics, and we'll put some new images up uh, on our social media of the various uh, artwork from Keepsakes. So I'd like to thank everybody for joining us. I'd like to thank JA once more and encourage everybody to go out there and uh, make comics, and we'll be back uh, very soon with a, another episode.